Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. ARCHICAD is the official BIM software of the Entree Architect community. ARCHICAD BIM software enables design, collaboration, visualization, and project delivery no matter the project size or complexity. With flexible licensing options and a dedicated support team to guide us along the way, ARCHICAD is an ideal choice for firms and projects of any size. I encourage you to reach out and talk to the folks at Graphisoft by visiting our own dedicated webpage at graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. There's even an exclusive special offer waiting for our Entree Architect community. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioned to help make your architecture firm a success. That's graphisoft.com slash US slash Entree Architect. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Hannah Smolinski, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat today. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here because we're going to talk about a topic that many of us architects uh, need to hear. You know, every time I talk about finances or financial management, uh, half the audience clicks off <laughs> and the other audience, their ears peak up. So hopefully you who are about to click off, don't click off. This is going to be an interesting and and uh, simple, right? We're going to talk, we're going to make this simple for you. So, so stick around. Uh, we're going to talk about finance and we're going to talk about KPIs specifically. So um, 
Hannah is a CPA and a founder of Clara CFO Group, a virtual CFO agency providing small businesses with financial clarity and strategies to maximize your profits. Uh, her experience working for one of the largest uh, accounting firms inspired her to make corporate expertise accessible to small business owners like us through fractional CFO services. So I want to also explain what that is when we get talking. Um, she also hosts a YouTube channel, so you can find her on YouTube. 40,000 subscribers, which is awesome. Um, and she uses that to help small businesses achieve financial success. You can go check out her YouTube channel at uh, Clara CFO Group. So youtube.com slash Clara CFO Group. And you could subscribe there and see all of her, all of her videos. Um, and you could be 40,001 subscribers. No, just kidding. I'm sure there's over 40,000. It's over 40,000. Um, all right, Hannah, um, I'm looking forward to this. But before we talk about KPIs and all the stuff that goes along with financial management, I want to know more about you. I want to know your background. When did you discover your passion for financial management and numbers and all that kind of stuff? And maybe who or what inspired you to do what you do? Yeah, I... Um... I didn't just, you know, come out thinking, Hey, I want to be an accountant. I want to do numbers <laughs> my entire <laughs> life. I actually remember, um, I, my babysitter wanted to be an accountant and I thought that was so weird. And I thought that she was, um, kind of wild for thinking that a, you know, 16 year old would want to do accounting, but, you know, I actually followed in her footsteps and 10 years later, we actually ended up working for the same firm coming out of oh, awesome. uh, after school. So yeah, I, I found accounting in college. Um, to, I was in business classes and I had a accounting professor sit me down and say, if this makes sense to you, you might want to do accounting because <laughs> apparently, <laughs> uh, apparently that was not the norm. So I did a pretty traditional accounting route after I decided to go into that in college. So, um, I had always been kind of a math brain, but, um, but really, I like to remind people that accounting is not really high level math, like probably a lot of architects are doing more complicated math than I'm doing in my work. Um, it's really third grade level math, addition, subtraction, multiplication and division. And so um, I ended up just kind of really enjoying the accounting, um, just uh, what the, what it did to help us understand business and um, then I ended up going after college, getting my master's degree in accounting so I could sit for the CPA exam. I got my CPA after working for an accounting firm. So I worked for a big four accounting firm um, and did that. I did the lifestyle of the professional. I think probably a lot of architects have a pretty similar trajectory. Sometimes they go and work for a big firm, kind of get that experience, get under their belt, and then maybe go out and do their own thing. And so that was kind of my trajectory as well. I worked for a large firm, really loved it, but just got burnt out. You know, they work you very, very yeah. hard. And, um, so that was something where I wanted a change and I ended up actually going and working for a, a small engineering company, which was actually my dad's business. So I had grown up in a family of a small business owner, seeing my dad, he owned his business for, I guess, 30 years at that point in time. And, um, so got to work with, professional services in that um, yeah, so setting. Yeah, you know and, our people. Oh, yes. I yes. am your people and I know your people. <laughs> I serve your people. So, <laughs> so what, kind of, what kind of engineering did your dad do? He did water do? water resource engineering, so mm -hmm. um, water quality, and he actually also built a software as well to perform, um, to do uh, the modeling of that of that specific application. So, yeah, interesting. um, yeah, so I worked for him for a number of years, but really started to get to the place where I realized like, wow, 
the, the projections and the advice that I was able to provide as sort of his controller slash CFO. Um, I wore a lot of other hats in the business, but I was able to do that part. That's the part I loved the most. And I also looked around and I was like, I think a lot of small business owners don't know this stuff. You know, they don't know to look, you know, three to six months ahead of cash flow and how to predict their accounts receivable coming in in order to determine, you know, who we can hire or if we need to make layoffs or if we can invest in a certain software at this point in time or we can buy a piece of equipment, you know, um, and and what I started to realize is I thought there was a lot of opportunity to help small business owners start to really, you know, take their numbers leverage them into decision-making. And so that's where I decided to go out and start my own kind of side gig at the, at the time to see who else I could help. Um, and then that led to me just going full-time in my own business. Um, my, I didn't leave my dad. He's actually still a <laughs> client of ours. Um, but at this point in time, um, you know, we're, we've leveraged out to where like we are their fractional CFO and they have a, accounting internally at this point in time. And so, um, you know, took all of that knowledge that I learned and then everything from the public accounting and started to think like, how can we serve small business owners in a way that is different than what bookkeepers and just regular CPAs are doing and we can actually help them look forward. So that's what Clara CFO is today. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So, so an entrepreneur as well. Um, so explain to me what a fractional CFO is. Sure. So a fractional CFO and how I like to describe it is where you can get a CFO level service. So you've got like the hat of a CFO at the amount that a small business owner really needs. Because what I realized is that nobody who's running even like a couple million dollar business needs a full-time CFO on payroll. So you can, you know, potentially hire somebody in to help you with financial strategy, but that could look like something as little as, you know, one or two conversations a month or maybe weekly meetings or something, but it doesn't, you don't have to have the burden of a full-time payroll CFO where you can just have a fractional CFO instead that can essentially give you everything you need. And what's the difference between a bookkeeper and an accountant and a CFO? Yeah, I like I like to say that like a bookkeeper and accountant, they're going to be the ones that are keeping all of your financial um all, all of your financial transactions organized, classified. They're going to keep the wheels turning, they're going to be paying the bills, they're going to make sure that the um the receivables are coming in, they're going to make sure that everything's recorded in the right place. But what they typically do is they're focused on what's happened in the past. So there, you know, you bought something on the credit card, you got a receipt, you put it in, you gave it to your bookkeeper, that uh, that item gets recorded. But then we have financial statements. So all those transactions go into your accounting and then you get a financial statement out of that. But what a CFO will do is it they will help you look at all that information and say, well, now what? Now, what do we do? We've got this information. Um, what is it telling us? What's the story? And then what do we do next? And so I like just to, from a very simple perspective, a bookkeeper and accountant are typically looking historical yep. and your CFO is going to be looking, you know, they will look in the past to help project the future, but we're going to be spending a lot of our time talking about the future and planning for it. And that's where KPIs come in, right? So yes. look, looking at the financial statements, putting together some, some key performance indicators, some metrics 
that we can track and then sort of predict where we're going, right? So that's what, it, can you explain what a KPI is and how, and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to say that K KPIs are really um, numbers that help you track performance or success in your business. And I like them because they almost can get you out of accounting and you can, and they start to tie operations more with the financial success of a business. And you can get to a place where, you know, you might identify two or three KPIs and those might start to be really the only things you really need to be paying attention to. So if any point in time, if you had two minutes to check in on the health of your business, you might be able to know, well, what are my, you know, top three KPIs? You might be able to get that information. And then, you know, doesn't mean you don't need to do full financial reviews and things like that. Obviously, I advocate for that. But if we can look and we can boil the business down to a few levers, then it's incredibly helpful for the business owner because they also will know what to focus on at that point in time. So it's really about identifying what are the things that are going to help you be successful. Right. So you're looking at, 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 um, trends essentially, right? You're tracking how the performance has been in the past in order to look at where you're going in the future, identifying trends and whether you're going in the right direction and things are going up or whether potentially, you know, you can see a trend of things aren't going to look so good in the next couple of months and be able to adjust before you get to that situation rather than getting to that situation and then having to react. Right. And some things that I, I like to break it down um, because there's different types of KPIs. And there's some things that people will identify as a KPI. And I've seen this in certain software that will say, oh, we have KPI tracking, right, yeah. but really all they're tracking is maybe revenue and profit and maybe like a couple other actual financial metrics that you'd be able to calculate based on, you know, a profit and loss statement or something like that. But there's two different types. We have leading measures, so leading KPIs, and we have lagging KPIs. And I think that leading KPIs, those are the things that happen before we get to the financials. <laughs> so they might be things that are um, activities you're actually doing in your business that you've identified are going to help you be successful. So let's say a professional services company might identify that most of their business comes from referrals. So if that's the case, and they know that the having more business helps them be successful, they might need to break it down and say, well, how do we get referrals? What are we doing to get those referrals? And then start to develop some measurement around that and how many, like if they are asking for those referrals or maybe they're having lunches, like, you know, lunches with people in their network, or maybe they are, you know, doing workshops or doing presentations that then end up with a referral or something like that. You know, yeah. you can kind of break it down and then say, well, what did I do that led to my success? And if that's the case, you can say, I, I can understand what my leading, a leading indicator would be. Um, so that might be, you know, how many networking lunches you did in a, in a month, which is kind of a weird thing. It's not an accounting number. We don't track it right. like that. But if you know, I know that if I do six lunches every month, it's going to naturally produce me enough business to support my current staff, or maybe I need to do something else. I need to ramp it up if I want to increase business. So it's kind of the leading measures I think can be the most powerful because a lagging measure would be something like revenue. 
And revenue is a outcome of everything else you've been doing in your business for a long time before that revenue actually hits the profit and loss statement. So, you know, it's great to track revenue. Love it. I, you know, love revenue. I love profit more. (laughs) So I would say if you're going to track one or the other, track your profit more than your revenue. But um, I think the leading indicators is where it can be really powerful for small business owners. Right. Because you can adjust. Yeah. And you can do it way ahead of time. And you have a lot more, you can see and start to predict um, what revenue is going to look like, and then you can put it into a financial projection from there. Yeah. So as, as I we had mentioned, you're talking to thousands of architects, lots of them architect business owners, which KPIs are probably most important to them? And what are those KPIs going to tell these business owners? Sure. So I, I think one of the hardest things with professional services is, um, getting the pipeline of business coming in in a consistent way. And so what tends to happen in professional services, and this is what I see, is that you might have a lot of business come in the door and you're busy, 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 serving, 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 serving. And then you all of a sudden have a lag because you were so busy serving those clients, doing the work that you put your blinders on and you were just like heads down doing that work and you forgot to do your business development activities. So your pipeline dried up while you were doing all the work for that moment. Um, And then, so this is why, you know, you need to identify what are those critical activities that you're always doing that even if you can't take on the work right now, you're still doing something to kind of build the pipeline for the future. So I like to really think about like pipeline building KPIs that would help you. And I have, I have some things like, you know, number of networking calls potentially, like we mentioned before, or if you sponsor events and you're, you have just an awareness campaign that you, that works for you. Um, it's really about what worked for you in the past and how can you keep doing that over and over. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out our financials on our own is not one of those things. Luckily, we have FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices, to managing online payments, to organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the digital bills and a receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. It's also super easy to get up and running, and the award-winning FreshBooks support team, they are always available to answer any questions along the way. Compare that to some of the other financial management tools out there. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place. 
until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, AKA CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by Arcat. Listen and subscribe right now at arcat.com slash podcast. That's arcat.com slash podcast, A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed, every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So it takes some analysis of your past projects recognizing and identifying what led to those projects. Again, seeing trends, right? So if you, your last 10 projects all came from the same place or six of them came from the same place, then 60% of your, your projects came from that one place. And so that's something that you want to identify. Yeah, absolutely. And also identify, is that a kind of project you'd want to take again? (laughs) Or if you need to start to, you know, expand out and say, I don't want to have to take these projects over and over again. It's actually, you know, ruining my life (laughs) or like maybe they're horrible clients or whatever it is. So you need to see, think, what do you want? And then kind of back it into how do you do that? So another leading measure, like if um, I'm sure a lot of architects are responding to RFPs, for things like how many RFPs are you responding to every month? So even if you can't take on a project, you still might need somebody on your team to be continuing doing these things. So you guys don't forget that you need to be actively working at this stuff when the ups and downs of business come in. Um, I think another like leading measure could even be something like how many team members do you have? Because one thing we're running into right now is this sort of labor becoming the constraint where maybe the work is potentially there. We don't have enough. Yeah. We don't have enough client serving professionals to actually grow. So if your goal is growth, you might need to focus on, well, how are we hiring? Because hiring might actually be a leading measure um, and how many new hires you have over, you know, really the revenue side of things because the pipeline might be there. It's just, you can't do it if you don't have the people and you want to keep your people happy and not overwork them like I did in public accounting <laughs> where you're working, <laughs> you know, 80 hour work weeks and you're churning through your people. Um, so, you know, I, I think number of employees could be a good leading measure as well, if that's a constraint that you have. Yeah. And you don't, um, again, just, just like not waiting for the crisis to happen. You don't want to wait until you need that employee to start exactly. looking and hiring that person. You, you're, you're. That's why you're looking at your numbers. It's why you're looking at your your number of projects coming in, looking at the pipeline and what what are your resources? Who are the people who are going to do that work in the pipeline, recognizing that you're going to need to hire way before you actually need to hire? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I do this for myself. I do try to practice what I preach. And I was just working on my own financial projections and plans and looking at the client growth that we wanted to have. 
And I, I was like, you know what, actually I want to hire another CFO probably in January, February, and we're talking in November. So like, you know, I actually need to go ahead and get my job descriptions out because I know the timeline that it takes to actually find qualified people. And I don't want to get stuck hiring somebody who is not aligned with our values is not a good fit just because you need somebody in the door. Um, so getting ahead of it is a big part of identifying these measures. Um, I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best, like the best, best, best. <laughs> so for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. And I'm not sure if anybody's ever talked about that on the podcast before, but it is um, a number that was taken from, uh, or kind of a concept taken from Greg Crabtree, who wrote the book, Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, I think is the name. Um, I might get those, <laughs> like as a long title, I might get some of those words flip-flopped, but um, he takes this concept to say, every dollar of labor should be producing a certain amount of gross margin, or for most of us, it's gonna be basically revenue. Um, unless you have a lot of like direct costs in your business. But so we can track and we need to be looking at the labor that we're bringing in. Hopefully it's producing more efficiency and it's creating more money for us. Even if you're bringing in potentially an administrative professional, that administrative professional might be freeing up a client serving person who could go and actually do more billable work or a CEO could be freed up to actually go and sell, you know, or do the business development or create a strategic partnership or something like that. So it's all about how do we make sure that the labor that we are bringing on is actually producing more revenue growth at the end of the day. And he recommends uh, a, a ratio of two. So that would mean every $1 of labor is producing $2 of gross margin or you know, probably for a lot of us, gross margin and revenue are not going to be too different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Two to one. Um, what are some other KPIs that, that, um, service professionals should be looking at? I like the idea of breaking down, um, like revenue per something. So it might be revenue per contract or potentially profit per contract or profit per client or profit per something, even employee. Um, it, it's a little bit more meaningful than just profit as a straight percentage. I do like tracking profit. I think you, everybody needs to know their profit percentage that they have in their business. And I like to have a target of at least 20% for a professional services company. Yeah. Um, but I think if you can take something um, and, and break it down and say, maybe like each contract, I want each contract that's coming in to be at least a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, then you can start to measure and say, well, last year we got four of those. And this year we're going to get six of them. And then you can start to, you know, see, are you improving in your performance over time? So it's it's really about kind of looking and, and there's not going to be a standard. Everybody's going to have the same KPIs. Sure, right. yep. I think that's the other thing is like really put some um, qualitative effort into figuring out what works for you in your business and then identify those KPIs and boil them down to just a few and don't track 20 things 
it's going to be too much. Try to make it like three to five tops. Three to five. All right. So how do they actually do that? How do they actually develop a KPI that works for them? Yeah. So I have, um, I kind of have a process that I like to go through and I did create a worksheet that's totally free that we're going to link to in, um, I think at the end of the show, maybe, but, um, I, I like to start to just say like, how are you defining success in your business? You start there. And so for, for me, like I go through this example in one of the trainings that I did, like for me, it's like, okay, I have a financial success goal of revenue growth. Okay. If revenue growth is my success goal, well, how do I, what, what am I doing to get that revenue? And for us, that looks like growing clients, like the more clients we serve, the more revenue we get in the door, right? So you're kind of breaking it down into how do we drive revenue? What does that look like? And then also like what else matters to you? So you can think about like, what is performance? What really matters? And then you can start to take that down into, well, what activities are driving client growth? Okay. Maybe it's, I go on a certain number of podcasts, you know? I mean, like, I think let's take it like really into the real world. Like maybe yeah. it's, I've gotten clients in the past from going in the, in being on podcasts. So if that's the case, maybe I should try being on more podcasts, you know, and I can track that as a metric. And then if we take it back further, it, you know, what are those other things that are, have proven successful? Maybe it's giving workshops. If workshops have worked for me before, maybe I need to plan a certain number of workshops. And so it's really about the first defining success and then figuring out what is driving success and then what is driving that. And it's, it's, I mean, we're reverse engineering right. basically. Yep. Right. Right. Super interesting. So uh, this is the big question. Right. We, the, the, we're talking to business owners, lots of small practitioners, lots of sole practitioners, mm-hmm. um, lots of responsibility and they're doing lots of roles. How do you recommend that they stay accountable to the KPIs? Mm. I think it's really about keeping it very simple, not overcomplicating it. I mean, this is something that you could keep in a you know Google sheet or an Excel spreadsheet. And it's as simple as you know, taking, I think everybody, even if you're a sole practitioner, I think everybody should have a monthly meeting with themselves that if, if you, even if you're the only provider, a monthly meeting where you're sitting down, you're looking at your numbers. Um, if that means that you need to sit down with somebody else to get you accountable to that, I think that's totally reasonable. If it's a bookkeeper or your CPA, or maybe, um, even your partner or something where you're just looking at the numbers and, um, you are looking at, well, how did I do this month? And how, what could I do if it wasn't as good as I wanted? What could I do to do better next month? And then what could I do to continue the success that I've had? So maybe if you had like the best month, try to break it down and think, why did I have the best month? Because the numbers tell a story. And so you're trying to just dig into what is that story? And then very simple Excel spreadsheet. You might have, you know, what's your profit percentage? What's your labor efficiency ratio? Um, and then how many, um, networking calls did you do this month? Maybe it's just as simple as that. And then just look at your calendar and fill that out and track it over time. And I think that, you know, that monthly date with yourself to look through your finances, um, can be extremely, extremely valuable. And I think at least everybody should be doing that. Yeah. Super interesting. The, the, 
time blocking, right? Put it on mm-hmm. your calendar, yes. make it, a, make it an appointment as important as your best client. You, you are your best client. Yeah. Don't, don't schedule you're... over it. Don't, <laughs> don't ignore it. Put it on your calendar and meet with yourself once a month. And, and I think maybe some people don't for a couple reasons, maybe they're thinking, you know, that's not my responsibility. My bookkeeper's taking care of it. I don't really need to look at it because my bookkeeper's taking care of it. Um, or maybe it's just like, ugh, numbers seem complicated and I don't really know them and I don't want to know them. <laughs> like, or maybe they're even worried that maybe they don't know what the results are and maybe they can just feel that the bank account is tight and they don't want to look at it. Um, but I would encourage that like actually knowledge is power in that situation that like being able to look at it and know allows you a lot of fuel to be able to, you know, decide if you want to do something different. And so, um, it's really just kind of about like opening, opening your eyes to things and bringing awareness to it is always step one. Yeah. Very, very good stuff. Very important. Is there anything else that um, you want to share with our audience before we hit that last question that we do? I would love everybody to be able to um, identify one KPI by the end of listening to this. Um, If something resonated with you, um, write it down. And just think like, you might not even know how to track it at this point in time, but you might've heard something and go, wow, that's a, that would be a number I would want to know. And I would love that to be the takeaway of today that somebody just has a new revelation of something yeah. they'd like to know. And then partner, find somebody on your team to help you figure out how to find that number. If it's your bookkeeper, if it's, you know, maybe even an outside consultant or if, I mean, CFO, if you need a CFO, we, we do that. But I think just find one thing that you can latch onto that you think, wow, if I knew that number, I think it would be super helpful. Yeah. That's actually a great answer to the final question mm-hmm. to, f- to find that, that one KPI, put it down, calculate it, track it and follow it. And then yes. you'll, you'll see the power of KPIs and you'll want to add those two, three, four more, um, and be able to track them every month. And next year at this time, you'll be doing a lot better than you are now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I, I can't remember who said it. It's not from me. Um, but what gets measured gets managed. I think it might be Peter Drucker. Um, and I think there's so much power in that. If we just start to monitor things, there's, um, there's, we can change it. We can change it and we can make it better. Yeah. Her name is Hannah Smolinski. You can find her and all the work that she does at claracfo.com, C-L-A-R-A-C-F-O.com. Um, you can Subscribe to her YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Clara CFO group. And she's on all the socials as Clara CFO group. So you can go find her anywhere. Uh, She's all there. Um, Also, Hannah, you had mentioned before we jumped on the call here that you have a worksheet that you could, uh, you can share with our audience. How do we find the the worksheet? Absolutely. So um, there will be a link in the show notes, I believe that that. will give you um, access to it. So this kind of takes you through, what we need to identify a couple brainstorming things and prompts that you can think through as you're thinking through um, what might be a good KPI for your business specifically. And then I've, you know, given some space to write things down. And then I've also given some examples at the bottom. So you can take a look at that and um, yeah, that would, great. that yeah. would be we'll a great place to start. <laughs> we'll definitely have a link to that on the show notes. Just go to the show notes for this episode, search Hannah Smolinski. Uh, go to entrearchitect.com slash podcast and you'll find it there. 
um, and then just click the link for a free KPI worksheet. Uh, Hannah, thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Well, thank you. And I know as a lot of small practitioners out there, and I, I just know that they are, they've been listening to you for a long time. I actually found your podcast a really long time and I was listening to it. Um, and I just think that what you're doing is wonderful and any support for small business owners is so helpful. So thank you. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, share a link with a friend. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Please share a rating, write a review, share a link to this episode with a friend. I'd appreciate it. Links to all our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. It's the network dedicated to architects, engineers, and construction pros. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at Gable Media at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Go check it out. We have, I think, 13 podcasts over there now. Gablemedia.com. And before we wrap up, a special thank you to our partners at Graphisoft for helping our community of architects make the transition to BIM with ARCHICAD software. Go now to graphisoft.com slash US slash Architect and see how Graphisoft is positioning to help make your architecture firm a success. Visit graphisoft.com slash US slash Architect to learn more. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arla Page. Love, learn, and go share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it.
Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.